0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the forward. Do- I think I say that every week. I literally think I say word for word. Hey everybody, welcome back to the forward podcast. I'm Lance Armstrong. But anyways, welcome back. I am Lance Armstrong and I'm your host. A um, couple of things that uh, just to kick off this week's podcast. Um, uh, first of all, a massive, uh, well obviously a massive thank you to Malcolm Gladwell for coming on last week. But thank you to iTunes for, um, for promoting the podcast. The reception was, um, was way better than I could ever have dreamed of or uh, imagined. So um, uh, thanks to the team over there for showing us some love. And uh, the, more I, the more I hear from people, I'm glad that a lot of other people are looking forward to parts two and parts three. So Malcolm, if you're listening, uh, just let's call me and we'll put it on the calendars. Because I have a feeling you have a lot more to say. Um, In other news, uh, a couple of summers ago, I lost a very good friend of mine, um, actor, comedian, genius, bike rider, uh, special man, um, amazing friend, Robin Williams. And for those of you who know cycling and knew Robin's history and story with cycling, you knew that he just loved to collect bikes, um, and so, over the years, he collected—I um, don't know—I mean, probably north of a hundred bikes. Um, uh, his his family is going to auction off these bikes, every one of them, um, to benefit the Challenge Athletes Foundation and the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Uh, I would love for you guys and gals to please go have a look. Uh, even if you don't want to uh, get a bike, um, the images are exceptional and the bikes, the collection is incredible. Um, so the paddle eight is hosting this auction. The auction is up until October the 25th. So you got, you know, however long left. Um, so just go to paddle com, and eight is, it's actually the number. So P A D D L E eight numeral eight, dot com, And it's the featured auction right now. So you'll um, you'll see it, um, you'll see it up there and, and, uh, you know, anything you can do would be greatly appreciated. Uh, obviously this has been a tough, tough couple of years for his, uh, for his children and for his friends and family and, and loved ones. And so thanks for checking it out. The last thing before I get into introducing this week's guest is, um, I've we just concluded ACL weekend here in Austin, so that's the Austin City Limits Festival. It's now two weekends. You know you're getting old when you look at the lineup and you're like, oh, shit. Like, I I don't know. Anyways, I, I, I'm just, I'm not nearly hip or cool enough um, to to, you know, to know most of these bands. Having said that, it's now two weeks. It's Three days each weekend, and it sells out immediately. So clearly, um, I'm off the back. Uh, but I did, I did have, um, I did go down for one night. I saw the Mumford and Sons gig. Um, they closed out the festival on Sunday night, and it was, I'm telling you, the the, the these guys brought it. The energy was incredible. The um, the Joe Cocker cover towards the end, or the last song actually, with uh, with a bunch of select guests, was just, I mean, just brought the house down. And so. Um, um, thanks to the crew there for, for showing us all, you know, all 80,000 of us a great time and uh, look forward to to next year. I put my, I put my request in for some more, you know, some old man music. We'll see how that goes. My guest this week is an interesting one. He, he actually was mentioned in the Malcolm Gladwell podcast when Malcolm Gladwell was speaking about the NFL, which he so loves and talking about concussions, an issue that he's concerned about. And he actually brought up uh, Ricky Williams and brought up uh, Ricky Williams uh, in in the sense that, you know, was, was banned from the league a few times for, uh, for smoking marijuana. Um, It it, it just so happens that Ricky is our guest this week. And if you're from Austin, you know, Ricky needs no introduction. And if you're from New Orleans or Miami or um, other places, San Diego, where he grew up, he doesn't need an introduction. Um, still a, a, a beast of an athlete. The guy walked in, I thought, oh my God, this dude could still play football. Uh, he won the Heisman Trophy here at the University of Texas. He then went on to the Saints and the Dolphins and a, and a brief stint in the CFL. He, he goes in, he'll talk about it in the podcast, but the interesting thing is he's um, he's gone back to school. He's getting a psychology degree, um, which is kind, of, is kind of funny. Not funny, but it's the fact that that. Uh, Ricky Williams is walking around campus at the University of Texas. And I ask him, I say, does, I mean, what's that? You walk into class, people must freak out. He's like, nah, nobody even knows. I mean, here's a guy where there is a statue of him on the campus and and he walks in unnoticed. It's just mind blowing. I think that's 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 a whole different discussion and and, and issue. But I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, like I say every week, if you have a question or a comment, send us. We've gotten some really cool emails and and, and really interesting, wacky emails and suggestions lately, too. So keep sending those. But send me an email to podcast at com. And we do is W-E-D-U. Sport is singular. So it's podcast at com. Um, enjoy Ricky. Take care. Ricky, thank you for being here, man. Ah, Thanks for having me. A legend.
1: You're a legend. Nah. (laughs) I got the text and I was like, really? And uh, of course,
0: of course, I'd say yes to being here. This is great. I I was on the golf course with my friend who who got your number and then texted you and and so he showed me your response. I was like,
1: wow, cool. Yeah.
0: But I thought of, I mean, I I I was when I started this podcast a few months ago. I kind of had this list of like people i'd love to have on and it's a long list right so you're on this list and and but i was reminded last week because i had malcolm gladwell on the podcast and we were talking about you can imagine what i mean he just started talking about triathlons and what if you change the order of the triathlon and i mean like all this stuff that like nobody would talk about but then at the end and he kept it was a great conversation it was the fastest hour of my life but at the the end he's he's obsessed with he loves football He's obsessed with the issue of concussions and pain in football. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to, in his own mind, he's trying to work out like how you solve the concussion issue and, and then, you know, what the players have to go through to play with the deal with the pain, whether it's tour at all or yeah. prescription stuff. And he just says, he says, look, you know, it's either that or look what they did to Ricky Williams. I mean, they he brought you up as an example of somebody that was, that used, marijuana as 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 an alternative to things that are you know truly heavy yeah and and so he, he just had this whole in his own mind this debate about what to do yeah so you should know that i mean it was it was just cool for one of the smartest people i've ever been around yeah and it's a
1: it's a fascinating topic i always always th- when i think about football and what what's yeah. the hardest part about playing professional football and the hardest part is playing hurt if yeah. you could take the playing hurt out of it football would be the perfect game from a from a player's perspective right you know it's just the you play in a game you get nicked up and you know you have this this area that's between being hurt and being injured coaches always say if you're hurt get on the field if you're injured then you can't play right and so when you don't know and you're in that middle ground and then you have to practice all week because you only get one day off and trying to decide okay am I going to be able to to be quick enough to get out of the way and protect myself and be
0: productive in this game. Wow, and <laughs> that starts from, from. I mean, the game of football, my son plays football, high school football at Westlake here. I mean, I, I watch these games. I mean, that's already, to me, I'm not a football player, but that's fast moving, hard hitting. That's an intense thing, so that starts, that doesn't start when you're in the NFL. That starts from the time you're a teenager. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it gets more intense when you go, obviously when you go to college. Because I think you just spend more time doing it. Um, you spend more time developing your skill, technique. You get better coaching. You go to the NFL. You spend all day right. getting
0: better. When you go from, I'm just, I've always been curious about this. When you go from high school to college, mm-hmm. call it speeding up, call it intensity, call it whatever. How how much does that multiply from that the high school level to the college level? The big, the big time college level.
1: You know, I, I think honestly, I think it depends on the type of player you are. I, I think. Um, you know, I think obviously when I went from high school to college, I was I had size. I was big and, and I liked to work out, so I was strong. And I was coached really well growing up, so I understood um, more of the subtleties of the game. And, and, so, and I had a good work ethic, so I, I adjusted really quickly. But I, I think the skill set, the skills you have to develop from one level to the next change. I think in, in high school, you can be a good athlete and that's enough. When you go to college, you have to be coachable because you have to know the place. otherwise, coach won't put you in. Um, and you have to be physical, and uh, and you have to be able to. You have to be coachable because technique becomes important. Right, right. And then
0: when you make the leap from college, big time college ball to the NFL,
1: it's the same thing. You have to be you have to be coachable, and it's because this difference in the speed is technique. in In high school, coaches don't even watch your footwork. You know, in college, they'll watch your footwork a little bit. In the NFL, they're on you every single day about every step you take. Yeah. And so, you know, one one false step, and it's a big play yeah. in the NFL. And so every little tiny thing is scrutinized in the NFL. And, and, you know, a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on a week in, week out, basis. Right, I can only imagine. Like, but it, I love it, though. I mean, it. you know, it's, it's tough, but I think it makes... It challenges you. I know the amount of energy, and I'm sure you can relate to this. The amount of energy I invested in studying the playbooks, and watching film, and practicing, and getting ready was immense. But to put that much energy into something and get something back was just, yeah, it's just amazing. And you love the game, and I love the game. So, I, loved, I loved the love, I love the competition. I still love it. It, it. It's a beautiful game. Look like you could still play. I know. I, <laughs> I could last maybe a quarter. Uh, what, I, what I love is it's it, there's strategy and there's physicality and right. so you, you get hit in the head, you get hit in the face and you got to literally shake it off, get back up and
0: think about strategy
1: and think about strategy and function and from the time the play is called until the ball snapped, you have about 30 seconds and you have to process so much information and it's less time now with these tempo offenses but you only have a couple seconds to process a lot of information and then go right into action it's there's nothing like it. Wow, yeah
0: I love football I, I don't I don't really watch any other sport. I watch. I mean, I'll watch the baseball and basketball playoffs, but football, college and professional football—that's like the only thing. I I watch, I have to admit, I watch golf. Yeah, but I already admitted that to you. I I must confess, I was. (laughs) This is this is fucked up, but I was. You'll get you'll get a kick out of this, but I was I was texting with Ricky, and I I was texting him watching the Ryder Cup. Do you watch golf at all? No. Okay, so like one of the guys on the Ryder Cup. You know what the Ryder Cup is? I know what the Ryder Cup. Okay, good. Is. All right, good. Yeah. So I'm watching, and I'm watching Ricky Fowler. So I'm just all day long. It's like Ricky Fowler, R I C K I E. Yeah. So my dumb ass sends you a text says, "Hey Ricky, R-I-C-K-I-E. And then like three chain three texts later, I was like, "Bro, I'm really. I was just. I'm in like full Ryder Cup mode. I'm so sorry. I felt like an idiot.
1: Yeah. I was like, this asshole couldn't even spell my name right. <laughs>
0: Hey, and you know what? I'm surprised you just write back and be like, learn how to spell my name and then we'll talk.
1: I almost did, but you're Lance Armstrong. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll cut up some slack. But I caught myself. I, I thought yeah. I got and a that, little- And you made up for it. You, you did, yeah. Okay, thank it you. It meant a lot. Jesus
0: yeah. Christ. Yeah. What, is, what is an average day? And you know, I always wonder like what, you know, you, you grow up watching people and, and you know pretty much what their day is then. In your life, we kind of have watched you, and we'll get into this later, but we've watched what some of your phases of your not phases but parts of your life have been like, and days have been like for you but like today or like a normal day here in Austin what's 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 an average day
1: I think first of all I think phases is, is accurate it's yeah. accurate it works um you know what I love about my life is every for the most part every day is is different so I, I uh, for instance today I, I flew in on a red eye from um from San Francisco I spent the the week in nap the weekend in Napa Valley in uh I landed, and then I went home and studied a little bit, and then I came over here, and then I'm going to class. After I leave here, I have a test this afternoon, and then I'll go I'll go see my kids and do homework, homework with them, and then I have a radio show tonight, and then I'll study, and then I'll get up in the morning, and then uh, I have class again tomorrow, and then I'll fly back to L.A. on Thursday night, tomorrow night, or Thursday night or Friday morning, hang out in L.A. and come back, monday
0: and hang out just to hang out
1: you know i i I love la and uh (laughs) and there's there's always so much going on yep and um that's for sure and so i I get out there and i you know i i take meetings usually on fridays and then Mm -hmm. saturday i'll ride my bike around the beach down to venice beach and just
0: relax yeah i always run on that that boardwalk you know the 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 sort of the side of the bike path yeah that's where i ride my bike dude what a scene that venice is like yeah whoa it's great so you're, but when you say go to class, you mean at the University of at Texas? Texas, yeah. So here, last semester, you're, you're, you're like a freshman or uh, whatever freshman. in the class and like, yeah. and here Ricky Williams just walks into class. What up? But you know, I'm telling
1: you, <laughs> nowadays with, I don't know if it's social media or what it is, if things are more than three years old, kids have no idea that they even exist. And so, like, I, I walk into class and you know, when I won the Heisman Trophy, a lot of these kids, freshmen weren't even born, but a lot of the kids were, were babies. And so, once amazing and it's it's mind-blowing is i think maybe i don't think maybe five people in all five of my classes total know who i am seriously including the including the the professors because my i get away with it because my real name is eric so on the on the roll call it says eric williams and i don't i don't brag about who i am so i just wow yeah
0: that that's shocking though that that
1: I mean, even walking through campus, I mean, you, I, some, you know, some of the frat, some of the frat guys, you know, I think they're, they're football fans or they see me on TV and, you know, they'll recognize me. But, but I think most people would guess that it would happen all the time, every day. It it doesn't. Maybe once a week, someone will say something. Wow.
0: That's crazy. And you're getting your degree in psychology. Psychology. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Yeah. You're going to break it down here. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. That's what we do. We say. We yeah. say that's what we do. Yeah. Huh, man, that's that's uh, good for you. I would. I, I think most people probably would have thought you, you know, graduated before. Or... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was in. I stayed all four years of school, but uh, you know, I, I took a semester off after my uh, after my after the fall of my freshman year. Yep. And then I didn't finish my last semester because I was doing NFL stuff. Yeah. So I had I had a bunch of hours, and I came back a couple of years ago, and i just been chipping away, and finally to my last semester. Yeah. Okay.
0: And and when you came to the University of Texas, I think most people probably think that, that Mack Brown recruited you to come here. I mean, I think maybe they're, maybe there's they're, they're, like you said, I mean, people's sense of time and history just is so whacked out yeah. now because – because and I, I talk about this all the time, just the way information flows and news flows and it's just so uh, I mean our attention span is so short now because it, you know it's constantly you know oh my God, yesterday Kim Kardashian was held up you know <laughs> and then now it's you know something it's just I'm using these as examples yeah. that the media hops onto. Yeah. but I mean if I would if I didn't if I hadn't done my research for this party, I would assume that Mac Brown recruited you from San Diego to come play at the University of Texas mm-hmm. and coached you all four years. Mm-hmm. When that John Makovic recruited you and and, For, and I
1: played three years under under John Makovic and only one year under under Mac and I wore number eleven my first three years and my junior year I actually led the nation in rushing and scoring um, I had a huge year but the team wasn't very good Macovic got fired Matt came and I wasn't sure if I was going to go to the NFL or stay Matt convinced me to stay and wore number thirty four and won the Heisman Trophy so I think that's the that's the big story. I think that's what people remember.
0: And in, in 34 special because Earl Campbell wore, wore number 34.
1: Yeah, he did. Um, and that's not retired.
0: I would You would think that's... Well, he
1: wore 20 at Texas. He wore 34 when he played for the you. Oilers. And, and honestly, when I came on my recruiting trip here, and this was... I mean, people don't give John McEvick enough credit, but he went to California and, and got me. I, I mean, Texas wasn't anywhere on my radar until he called me and, and brought me here. And I didn't really even know who Earl Campbell was. And i came on my recruiting trip and they took me down to his he had an office down on sixth street and uh you know i'm this kid from southern california my only my second time on an airplane coming to austin and you know i i expected when we flew in that there'd be tumbleweed rolling down the tarmac you know i i didn't know <laughs> and uh and we land and i landed in austin and i was like wow Wait yeah. this is it was december 17th and it was 73 degrees and i was like all right and then we Drove around and I saw pretty, pretty girls everywhere. I saw Go pretty ahead. girls who knew who I was. This kid and I saw rivers and lakes and trees and, and I was like, "Wow, I I could do this." And they took me down to Earl's office. I walk in and I see all these like animal heads mounted in his office. And I was scared to death. And uh, I I sat down with Earl and you know, got indoctrinated pretty quickly. Yeah. Left his office, called my mom and said, "I'm coming, coming here." And that was it. And that was it.
0: And there were other, I mean, you had other, other options. I mean, I was
1: one of the, probably I was the number three running back in the, in the country.
0: So you name it, Alabama, yeah. USC, UCLA. Alabama wasn't the...
1: very good, but USC, they weren't very good. But Notre Dame was, was good at the time. Florida State was great at the time, yeah. Alabama
0: Clearly Notre Dame's not very good this year.
1: I know. Actually, hate when that happens, Texas beats them, everyone gets excited, and then. Oh, yeah. And then they keep losing, and Texas starts losing, and it's just. Well,
0: then, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> And you and you and you talk about this stuff because you you have a role with the Longhorn Network, mm-hmm. which I think I don't know if people outside of do people outside of Austin get the Longhorn Network. I should probably know this. It's you know just, just in the past year, it's a package on Directv. So DirecTV. I think
1: Longhorn fans can get it, or people right. get the big ESPN packages. It's lumped in. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people watch it, but yeah. but it's out there.
0: I want to go back to Earl Campbell for a second because we talked about at the beginning. We talked about playing football and for an entire life, and getting hit, getting hurt, playing through that. You know, he he's really a. Uh, and the, when you met him, God, so that would have been in nineteen.
1: 19- he was my age. He was about my age when it was right. 1994. So, so he
0: 1994. was not. Yeah. I mean, he's in bad shape now, by all accounts. Physically, yeah. physically, yeah. He
1: always for, seems to be in high high spirits, but yeah, physically, he's, right. But what the a-
0: game is, the toll it's taken on him it's it's yeah it's visible
1: you can't miss it when you yeah yeah
0: i I think i think we've we forget that man watching like as as sorry ass fans like sitting there like come on you expect so much and i only say sorry ass fans because we don't know what it's like to get lit up you know
1: i I don't know i think maybe i'm maybe i'm old school like you know i i think there's a lot of things there's a lot of issues here i think one is yeah the, the game is a dangerous game it's violent but i th- also think you have to look at how people take care of themselves mm. and being around football players and what i had to learn and took me half my career to learn it was I'm um, you know doing this intense damage to my body i need to also do some intense taking care of my body and so i've invested a lot of time and money and taking care of my body and in watching what i eat and is really making that a priority mm. and i think it allowed me to play it for a long time and, and hopefully we'll see that, you know, I can still use my body actively for a long time.
0: Yeah. And when you watch, like I watch these clips, I watched the 30 for 30 again last night. and Sports Illustrated did another one on you on your yeah. trip to Barcelona. Yeah. Um, so you see that, yeah, it's not just, hey, I'm going to get a massage or I'm going to jump in the cold plunge. or I mean, it's 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 kind of next level. I mean, I don't think – Yeah. I mean, maybe – I don't know. Maybe guys in the NFL now really do try to look beyond – the old school uh, level of just maintenance and, and 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 seek out stuff that's a little more—I don't want to call it new age, but just would would be considered alternative.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of guys, you know, they 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 try to take care of themselves, but you know, the way I looked at it, I was always looking to get to get better, hmm. and so for me, getting better meant taking care of my body so that I not only could play at a high level, but I could practice at a high level. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and I, something about you know having a job where I get to go and get better at something, I mean, that was awesome.
0: I was watching your TED talk too, and I I, I, I was it's, 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 it, people. You guys should go on YouTube, and 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 <laughs> uh, it, it was it was it was good. I was I was the audience was. Uh, I'm sure you felt this too. You know, you were like, I loved the intro where you said, "I'm Ricky Williams," and. Um, I was a professional football player and I won the Heisman Trophy and, and I, I failed four drug tests and got suspended and they're like, "Hmm." (laughs) and then you go, I, uh, I have five or six kids from, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, wait, wait, what? That just, that blew their minds. Like, (laughs) yeah. You know, so,
1: so, um, this event, it was in, it was down in In Florida, in South Florida. Yeah. And, I was asked if if I wanted to do a, a talk, and I said sure. And so the way they set it up, it's a full day, and there's 25 speakers the whole day, and I was the last speaker of the day. And so I sat there like listening to everyone give their give their talk. And the the prep for it was they they hired a speech coach to work with us to come up with the speech because they say <laughs> it's difficult to condense what you want to say into seven minutes or however long we had. And so everyone had created their speech six months out. And the way the way I am like. Uh, something i want to say six months ago i'm not gonna, probably not going to want to say exactly the same thing you know six months later and so I, I worked on my speech but then when i when i was my turn and just sitting there listening to people talk all day i was like you know what i'm just gonna go out there and wing it and so i just yeah and so i went out there and and i was just kind of was feeling the crowd and i you know got everyone up and then kind of my my idea was was about getting real and so i got everyone up and then i kind of Show the other side, like I'm a human being too, and and I'm going through this process of evolving and making mistakes, and and, and it's real. And then I, in my talk, I tried to show like what who I am and what and what motivates me.
0: Right. Yeah. But the but the but their faces, and because you could kind of some of the angles, you could see the crowd. But when you say five or six kids, like they were like, what do you mean he does? He doesn't. Yeah. Is it five or six? Yeah. But you. I mean, it was it was great, right? <laughs> I thought I it was fun. I mean, I had, it was. I, I, I mean, I. It was amazing. You I, do know how many kids there are. Yes. Yeah. Okay. At, yeah. At, yeah. I think they were like, <laughs> this guy has no idea. This was like older people out there. And, yeah.
1: Is it mainly an older Jewish crowd? Yeah, I didn't
0: want to say that, but yeah, it was. You, you said it. It was. But South Florida.
1: Yeah. South Florida. Yeah. The there's. RA.
0: Yeah. So there's. That's. The, there's.
1: Was, yeah. I mean, hopefully it, it was memorable. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. And how many kids do you you have six kids. I have six kids, yeah. Six I have five kids. Five kids. So you got me by one. By one, yeah. Are you done? I mean, oh. I'm forty five years old, so I I need to be done.
1: Is that a yes or a no? Uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> committal. That's um, Anna's, you know, I'm forty five. She's she'll be thirty five. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, I mean she she uh, um and I'm not the guest on this podcast, so. But no, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, we're probably done. We're probably done. She, you know, women. I don't know. They they get baby fever. You know, they see. Yeah. It, they have. She's got a couple friends that are pregnant or just had babies, and so then they see that they hold the baby. They're like, oh. And I'm like, no. I mean, I'm 45 and have five. I'm good. Yeah. But yeah, I'm. I think I'm done. Yeah. Why you done? I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I have six and only one
1: was planned so uh, yeah it's been it's been an interesting it's been an interesting and what experience. are the ages you go from so my oldest is 17 play Marley. football no she, marley's a, she she's a she's a girl she she ran track and she was and she was fast and she was good and then kids are different now and something yeah. about the pressure you know and she, the better she got the less she wanted to do it because she felt the pressure to keep yeah. winning the races
0: all in austin
1: no she lives in she lives in boston Boston. Yeah, and then Prince, Asha, and Elijah live in Austin. Yep. And Prince is fourteen. Asha just turned ten, and Elijah's six. And then Blaze lives in Florida. He's thirteen. And then Isaiah lives in Florida, and he's five.
0: Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it all in check. Yeah. Got it. That's cute. Yeah. That's I got to keep a note card
1: to remind myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's like you, dude. I was, did some stuff a long time ago at the Huntsman Cancer Center. And obviously it's in, it's in Utah. And like the, the grand, the grandfather, whatever, the grandfather Huntsman he a guy like, I don't know. We were there. He's a very wealthy family there, being very generous to the, to the cancer hospital there. And he has like 57 grandchildren because he's Mormon, you know, so they have yeah. a lot of kids, which means they have a lot of grandkids. And I'm like, so wait a minute. You have 57. Don't tell me. That you can walk in like at Christmas or whatever it is and be like, Hey Joey, hey Johnny, hey, Sarah, hey. There's no way. what do he say? Well, no, he said, of course he says, yo, yeah, I know them all. Fifty seven. What wow. the number was at this point, this was a long time ago. The number might be seventy five now. I don't know. It's like an NFL roster. Yeah. I, I mean I, I I have namnesia anyways. So I wouldn't I'm I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I'm sure with five you
1: call different kids different names, right? You, you yell one name, and you're like, you have to stop yourself and then find the right one? Or you get them right off. No, I'm pretty good. Really? I'm pretty good. Really?
0: Yeah. Unless I've had a couple too many Lanceritas, then maybe I slip up every now and again. Yeah.
1: What's a Lancerita? It's a margarita. Oh.
0: It's just my unique twist on
1: it. I'm saying, what's is it a secret recipe, or is it something you... No, nah, it's,
0: it's, it's lime juice, tequila, Cointreau, and a lot of Topo Chico. Huh. So, yeah, it's really... It's huh. badass. I'll make you one one day. Yeah, not not today because it's like you know it's one thirty. I have a test. Yeah, you got a test. You got to drive over there. You got to do all this shit. So, but next time I'll make you a a, make you one. Sweet, but but you may not you don't drink. I don't think I don't drink very much though. Yeah. Instead, you prefer. I mean, there's no secret that marijuana's. It's yeah, definitely. I prefer it. It, Right. It works better for me. And it's interesting because because I I you know there's so much. I think that debate is rapidly changing in this country. I mean, we spend uh, probably three or four months of the year in Aspen, so in, in the state of Colorado, where marijuana is now legal. So obviously, there you've already seen a yeah. massive shift. But I, I think just in society here in the United States, it's really changing, and, and people's view—and not so much their view towards marijuana, but even you know. Inevitably, you're going to compare it to other things, right? You're going to compare it to alcohol. You're going to compare it to harder drugs. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we're, I think that ball is rolling. Yeah.
1: I think when, when Colorado and Washington made it legal and it's been medicinal in California since 1996. And so it's interesting traveling from state to state and Mm -hmm. you can go in one state like Colorado and it's, it's everywhere. Even in Southern California, Venice Beach, it's everywhere. You can go to another state, Texas or in the South and it's like, it's, it's there's still a big stigma. Yeah, it's, they think you're a meth head or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely think it's it's changing. And they're I mean, you know, the big story is all the money that that's being made. And I just found out a lot of because it's federally illegal mm-hmm. that a lot of people that are in the industry aren't paying federal taxes. Yeah, I'm thinking that's crazy that the government wouldn't do something to.
0: You mean the growers in these states where it's legal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's there's state tax revenue. There's state tax revenue, right. Yeah, and it's significant. Yeah, it's it's huge. And I wonder too, and th- and I think this crosses over into the football stuff. I wonder, and I know you've done some, you've had relationships with, and I have too as well. I mean, in full disclosure, I had, for years had a uh, an endorsement deal with, um, um, uh, Bristol Myers Squibb, and you've done some big pharma stuff, and I just wonder if. Just seems like the lo- there must be some interest there from their side to to keep suppressing marijuana yeah. on the, from the pain side. So whether you're making oxys or Percocets or, I I think there's I just sense that there's there's interest there. Yeah, they're I mean, stronger than the marijuana lobby.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. Mar- the marijuana lobby is not very right, not very strong. It's a bunch of they're strong because they're all activists from hippies from the seventies, yep. but. But they, I don't think they
0: have a whole lot of money to compete. Yeah. With. And what's and I and I read and actually I texted with Coach Brown the other day because I told him you were you were coming on, so he he was he said some very nice things about you, and he said you're doing a a marijuana gym. He said that. really. He told me that.
1: <laughs> 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 that's uh, that's that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it was out. You,
0: you have, a, I mean, your relationship's okay with him. Yeah, or? it was great. I know it's out there, but it's not just not something that like I would I'm going to read. Imagine that. I'll read it to you. I said uh, Hey coach Ricky Williams coming on the podcast tomorrow I know you probably know Ricky better than most Love to have some insight He says sure Ricky's very intelligent and worldly Well read, well traveled Interested in holistic health Don't know if you want to go there But a strong advocate of legalizing marijuana And has opened a pot gym You will find him eager to share And extremely charismatic
1: Yeah Wow,
0: that's pretty sweet. That's really sweet. And then he says, "If you still want me on the podcast, I'll be in Austin <laughs> the last two weeks of October." I was like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> so yeah, so it
1: was it was a crazy story. So I, I, this guy contacted me. He does this thing called the 420 Games um, in California and Washington. And basically, it's getting people active and showing that you know, trying to fight the stigma of the stoner sitting on the couch watching television. And so he invited me to an event. Um, it was a uh, it was Playing off the 420, it was a 4.2-mile run. Right. And uh, and after he started talking to me about his idea for a pot gym and going back and forth, and I said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Well, he releases a press release saying that him and I are opening up a pot gym in San in San Francisco. And the story- like, After one conversation? And the story catches like wildfire. And I'm thinking like, wow, has me, the media changed so much that they don't have to like call me and make sure that it's true, that right. they could just take something like this and run with it? But in, at the end of the day, you know, the silver lining was it started a conversation, people talking about things more. And so, but it's it was just a
0: rumor. It's not, there's no pot. I think it's a decent idea. Okay. So that's not, what's a power plant? What'd you call it? Power plant. Power plant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this guy just has one conversation and that's, that gives him, I don't know. You're, you're a better man than me. I'm, I, I would be livid if, if. Yeah. I was, I was, I was upset. I was yeah. upset. You should have been upset. Yeah, I was upset. Yeah, man, that's not that's not the way it works. Yeah,
1: and I told him I said it's a good idea, and if you know if ever it was there was a chance for us to move forward, and you you just messed it up. You just ruined it.
0: <laughs> wow! Did you ever? You should have. You should have maybe considered moving to Colorado. You ever? You must have considered moving to Colorado.
1: No, I mean I enjoy cannabis, but it's not it's not so much of my life where I would right move somewhere just because of it.
0: Yeah. And you want to stay here. Your yeah. kids are here. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean I I like being in two places, so probably have a place in LA, a place in Austin. Yeah, you're a nomad. Yeah.
0: Well, before we sat down, you and I and I I told you we'd talk about it on here we start talking about Nevada City, California. Yeah. And for those of you listeners out there uh, that haven't seen the the thirty for thirty run run Ricky Run, you should check it out. first of all, I love thirty for thirty. It's like that shit just blows my mind. But they find you in Nevada City, which is, for those of y'all who don't have your maps in front of you, it's <laughs> it's somewhere, it's basically, you know, go from San Francisco headed towards Tahoe, and it's really in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you are living there. Yeah. How did you end up in Nevada City? I'll tell you how I ended up there, and yeah. you tell me first. It, it's a long
1: story, but I'll tell you the short version. Um, so after I retired in 2004, um, I realized, okay, I got to get a job. I got to get a skill so I can do something now that I'm not playing football and I thought about okay like what do I want to do with my life and I just kept reflecting on my life thinking okay I feel like I've made a difference in people's lives and so I was like I want to get into healing and learn about healing so I went online and I found a school that taught Ayur- Ayurveda which is a holistic healing from a system from India and so I, I drove up there enrolled in school and got a place and going to school so, up there,
0: so the school was in Nevada City. School was in Nevada City, and you're just driving out from Miami. Yeah, yep,
1: yeah, I drove out. Yeah, I got your a license U-Haul, plate. I got a U-Haul. 30. I got a U-Haul. Put my black Jeep on the back of the U-Haul. It went from Miami to, to Nevada City. Because you're,
0: if you want, when you watch the the documentary, the Thirty for Thirty, your you, your license plate is Florida. I thought, yeah, this he drove. <laughs> yeah, dude. To... <laughs> you know, I think they broke. They broke the mold after they made you man i mean there was just that you're you're crazy
1: yeah i think uh, you know i think about it i think certain certain i think concepts or or consensus ideas about how things should be in the world i I didn't get the i didn't get the memo and so i i just kind of felt like i had to figure it out for myself and i think because of that i've come to different conclusions than the consensus some of the time
0: and were you there so i raced and i'll just close the loop on nevada city so I, i I've, I've raced Nevada City. There's a big, in cycling we call it a criterium. It's that's not really a criterium because it's so hilly there. It's it feels more like a circuit race, but it goes around town, and it's just I don't know. It's probably I don't know how many laps. It maybe thirty or forty laps. And so I raced Nevada City for the first time in 1990, and I got I think I got second. And I was a young young young. I wasn't even pro yet, um, but I was young. And then I went back again. Uh, in two thousand nine, and raced it, and I don't. Maybe that's when well, you weren't around there then. But that's when were you in? A, I was two thousand
1: nine. I was I was in town visiting a friend, and the TV, the, the TV, yeah, the TV happened to be on, and I was like, "Hey, yeah, yeah," it and was, I saw you going down the it hill. It was crazy, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: steep, steep downhill, steep. Yeah. It was a beautiful race. Crowds were just jamming that day. It was so. Yeah, ah, it's, a cool it's a cool town.
1: It's really cool. It town. is a cool town,
0: yeah. but but the fact that that you were there was just. Yeah. You talk because you talk about when you you know they sent out the memo. I mean you you can't. It's like what like who sends the memo? And when I think about you and just watching your story, and and I have the same story. Like it's like like I'm very close with my mother. I never had a. I never met my biological father per se. And then there's never been. So when people are sending those memos, like I didn't get any memos either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my mom was young and we were kind of growing up together so we might have been swapping memos. Yeah, my mom's 20 when she had. Yeah. Three of us, yeah. So um but I, it was interesting you you and I don't know where cuz in that 30 it's probably in that 30 for 30 that you were talking about they there was a piece about your father and you were talking about your father. And I think you and your quote was the idea of fatherhood, right? Just yeah. it's not and I and I that resonated with me cuz I well I didn't have that guy in my life. I had this idea of what that guy should be. Right. So so it's it's I don't know if that makes any sense, but you No, know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's and now as fast forward to a forty five year old guy with five kids, like that's I can't reflect on those things from the past and say, Well, this is the way it goes. I, I I can just go back and go, Well, this is this is the way I would have wanted it to be or this is the way
1: Yeah. I mean that, that, and that's the way I approach it too and it makes for me it makes parenting um a lot of fun because I feel like I'm almost parenting parenting myself and and one of the things that I look at if if I did have a father like how would I have wanted him to be and mm-hmm. one thing that I value is my individuality and my independence so I would have wanted him to like encourage me to be to be myself yeah and uh and and as a father that's that's extremely important to me.
0: Well, your mom comes off, and my and if they if if they ever well, they have interviewed my mom in the past, but if they, she, my mom is like five three, hundred pounds. She she acts like she's uh, you know six, five, 280 middle yeah. linebacker. Like yeah. she's and your mom. Yeah, seems, I mean to this day, to this day, I'm afraid of my mom, dude. Yeah. she is like. I mean, when she was talking, I was like, all right, I'm gonna shut up
1: it was funny you know when they when we shot that it was um it was right after so it was a funny story so the 30 for 30 it was um i had retired and i was in australia and i remember being on the payphone which retirement my first retirement The first one. i was and i i was this in o4 Aust- this was in 04, yep this was the summer of oh four late summer of 04. i was in australia and i was talking to the, to the director and producer sean pamphalon and at this time um my mindset was there's all this drama going on back back at home and I'm here in Australia and I love it here like I'd love I could see myself moving over here and so I said hey there's a chance I might not come back to the states um but I would like a more accurate story about my life to be told and so I'll give you $60,000 can you go around and interview my teachers my friends my family and ask them all to be honest because I want an accurate picture of me to you know to to be portrayed and so um, he went off and started doing it. Well, in the meantime, I decided to come back and play football and the project stalled and it would go away and come back and go away and come back. And then finally, when ESPN said, we're going to do these 30 for thirties, a good friend of ours, Dan Levitard, is really tight with ESPN. So he, he proposed to do my piece as a 30 for 30. So ESPN gave Sean half a million dollars and the project was probably 80% done. So we did a couple more interviews, tied up a couple loose ends. He shot my wedding, and finished product.
0: Did you get your sixty back? You I got say. my. I got my sixty. I was back. gonna say that's. Yeah. I can do the math on that. Five hundred. Yeah. You get yeah. the four forty. I'm get my sixty yeah. back. And it's interesting when being
1: so involved in someone telling my story because yeah. Sean and I like we had like horrible fights about the direction of it. You know, he was saying that he's a storyteller. He he wants to have creative license. I said it's my life. I said, I wanted it to be accurate, not, you know. So we had a lot of horrible fights about the direction. It's interesting.
0: I loved the parts and just see the, seeing the fickle nature of fans. And you, he actually talked to the same people at the beginning that he did in the beginning, or at the end that he did in the beginning. So in the beginning, these girls, I'm going to burn the jersey. And then he finds them. Yeah. And I don't know if they even realized that they were almost being set up. I don't think they. I don't think they realized. I think the one girl said, "I could rot in hell or
1: something." Like,
0: yeah, was, yeah. That's just, dude.
1: I kind of get it. I kinda, totally get it. I, yeah, I, I mean, I understand it. From Believe the outside, me, I from, totally get from it. From the outside, you know, your best player retires right before camp, and you know, there was a horrible season for the Dolphins. I, I understood why the fans were upset. Mm. Um, I think sometimes in life, you gotta make difficult decisions.
0: And when you, what was the there was. And I tried. You, you know, your your story just had so many sort of starts and stops and and tangents and and uh, just d- distraction. But then there's this period where you owed back like eight million dollars, which at the time, was eight million dollars is a lot of money today, but back then, yeah. And this was before. This is between '04 and oh6 That yeah. you. So yeah. you're sitting. You're in a, in a tent in Australia, thinking, "Oh my God, I owe these guys eight million dollars." Well. To, to be honest... I would be freaking out.
1: Well, to be honest, I, I really wasn't. Um, I was in another country, and I was like, you know...
0: <laughs> confine me. Confine me.
1: Confine me, yeah. Um, and, and things worked out. You know, my agent at the time, Lee Steinberg, kept saying, you're going to, you know, keep doors open, don't burn bridges, you might change your mind. He just kept he kept saying that to me, and, and it worked. And, uh, and I was in... So I was in Australia, ended up in, in Nevada City... And then there was a yoga ashram there, and I one day one of the swamis from the ashram taught a class at our school, and I was like, "Wow, this yoga stuff is, is just amazing!" And so I started going to the ashram, hanging out, and I just fell in love with yoga. And the head swami there was going to India to teach to teach a class, and I said, "Can I go with you?" Wow! So I left I left Nevada City, and I went to India for three months with the teacher, and there. Kind of had a spiritual awakening where I realized um, if I want to do anything positive with my life, that I have to go back to the NFL and like fix it. Yep. And so, close I, that loop. Yeah. And so I got, I got really focused and really clear. Nick Saban was hired at the Dolphins, called me up and said, We want you back. And I went back.
0: Wow. And then that, that whole, you know, the returning of the, or the, re, was, was resolved. And yeah.
1: And then, yeah. And I just, and I just said, you know, if I go back and I play hard, you know, hopefully they're decent and they drop it. And and Bill Parcells came on board, and we had a great relationship, great relationship. I mean, he really took care of me. Cool guy. Yeah, great guy. I mean, one yeah. of my favorite guys in the world. And and he said, listen, you Jerry played Jones, hard.
0: fucked that up too. He did. Yeah, yeah, a he Cowboys did. Cowboys fan, huh? I talk. No, don't. We're not talking about. <laughs> We're not, talk- I talk about it every week and we're not talking about it this week. So were you a Parcells fan? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was a fan of anybody that was going to come in and run the team, you know, be, be a be a manager, be a leader and say, no, this is whether you're the GM and the head, but you know, everybody else can go make money and sell sponsorship and build staves. I'm going to run the team. Like yeah. I want, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, very sore subject <laughs> for me. You know, It's, You brought up Lee Steinberg. I think in most listeners at this point, again, going back to this whole thing of like, you think the kids in your class don't remember you? Like Lee Steinberg was, he was Jerry Maguire. Yep. And I only bring this up because you just brought him up and he's in a lot of your stuff. This dude's story, (sighs) buddy. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we think, you think, I think my shit's fucked up and you think your shit's fucked up? This guy, he's literally like Tom Cruise... Doesn't play Lee Steinberg, but he plays Jerry Maguire, which is, which is Lee Steinberg. Yeah, and he has this massive alcohol problem he had back in the day. You know, you name it—you, know, John Elway and Troy Aikman and and every top Everyone, yeah. player in the NFL—and just it just crumbled.
1: Yeah, and and I was there for for a lot of it, and I was I was actually he had this big split with his partners. They took pretty much all of his clients. And I was—I think three of us stayed, and I was one of the guys, probably the biggest name guy that stayed. And so it was, we had a really tight relationship, and he, you know, it's—it was, it was tough to see him go through it, but we were kind of going through these difficult right. times at the same time, and right. I think we were there able to support each other. And he's—you yeah. know—he's he seems to be back on his feet now. He had a—he had a kid. It was a quarterback from uh, Kentucky, I think. He had a first-round pick. Oh,
0: great! Yeah, so he's. On- I think it's that you just sort of build, but you get one guy, and then you get to two, and then you get to four, and then yeah. you just kind of slowly rebuild.
1: I think similar for him at this point in his life, it's probably like close the loop, you know, go out on a good note. Right. And I think for him, legacy was always really important. Yeah. So it would be unfortunate to see him not. And
0: I wonder if those guys, a guy like Aikman, I wonder if Aikman, I wonder if he has his back. You would hope so.
1: Steve Young does, I, I know yeah. for sure. I mean, Lee's a great guy, and I think... He did a lot of good for a lot of a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of a lot of, a lot of players. Yeah,
0: he's he's and he stayed sober and yes he has he has. I
1: mean, he has stayed out of trouble.
0: He stayed so. out of trouble. Okay, yeah. good. No, because yeah. he was. I mean, it was just crazy the stories you would hear, and I think that
1: I heard stories and and I only I only saw it one time, and it, my mind was blown. Down. Somebody <laughs> could get that
0: that, that hammered.
1: It's it just yeah it was. Can I tell the story?
0: You can say whatever you All want right, to good.
1: say. So. So we it was when um so in 2006 I played in I played in Toronto and uh, and Lee flew up to to do the contract and we went out to dinner with the owner of the team and we were sitting and he was drinking and drinking and you know I started to notice he started to slur and I guess I'm the kind of person like if I got drunk I just would like shut up you know right. I wouldn't say anything but he kept talking and talking and talking and then I was like wow and then we went out, like after, for coffee. And this is what really blew my mind. Okay, we went out for coffee, and he ordered a double scotch, and I was
0: like, "Wow!" Just keep going.
1: And like, like,
0: wow! Run it, right. and
1: he almost like I'll ate see. it in the parking lot, oh, walking out. My God. But that was the first time ever I'd ever seen seen something like that from yeah. anyone in person.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I was watching, you know, when you. Talk about your time in Toronto, and I guess Theismann did Theismann play for the Argonauts? He did, yeah. Yeah, and they, they, you know, when they when you signed with them, they called Joe Theismann, and he's like, "But this guy can't play for the Argonauts; he's not Argonaut material because because of the marijuana stuff." Yeah. And I just uh, sitting here to like hearing that and hearing just that venom in somebody's voice. I don't know if you ever heard him this rant. Yeah, and and then sitting here with you today, it's like you can't. That's not that ain't right. Right, that doesn't. Those two don't equal each other. Yeah.
1: Well, you, you know, I, I understand. I, I try to be a forgiving person, but yeah. I guess his son had some had some problems. I see with drugs, and so I just think it's probably a charged yeah. topic for him.
0: And before Steinberg, I mean, we have to talk about Master P, and yeah, and yeah, that was. I mean, I think that blew people away that that you come into the league, and I mean, arguably, I'm sure you had everybody knocking on your door to represent you. I don't know who was big. Back then, I mean, obviously the agency Lee, St- Lee, Lee Steinberg Lee
1: was huge, yeah. yeah.
0: And then you somehow are introduced to Master P.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that's another that's another issue where I didn't get the memo. You know? Yeah. So
0: and do you and so with things like that, you don't strike me as somebody that lives with any regret. Or yeah, is there? Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't live with regret. I mean, I, I can look back and see see that I was a bit naive, mm. but. But I'm okay, I'm okay with, with that. I, I think, um, so my my idea with the contract was, um. I was the only pick of the Saints, and so I knew that I was going to, the max of the whole rookie salary cap was all coming to me, and it was like $8.8 million, and, and I think just coming up and always hearing fans talk about athletes, talking about athletes get paid too much, and they don't do, they don't have, they should have to prove what they do, and so, to me, I figured that, okay, the 8.8 is for what I did in college, but everything that... I do from here on out i should have to to work for and and i guess my my thinking was inverted because most people think saints gave up everything so i have leverage i was thinking the saints gave up everything so i should have a lot of skin in the game too um and so that's why i put my that's why i put my incentives higher because i figured you know, if if I have eight point eight million dollars, you thought that was a, fair. If I want to make a lot of money, I should have to go out there should, and, and that, tear it up. That's a fair yeah. deal. The yeah. one thing I didn't consider was the possibility of of getting hurt, and yeah. that's and that's what ended up happening.
0: Yeah. So for y'all at home that haven't followed the, or didn't follow it back in the day, or I mean, uh, Ricky, you. I mean, you basically took a largely incentive laden and driven contract. I mean, it. it well.
1: It, that's, I'm, yes, but, but I took a huge bonus. signing bonus yep. and then the minimum salary because I figured salary should be based on what I do. Yep. Um, and I had yeah ast- astronomical incentives to lead the league in rushing. And first year, I, I, I missed four games and played hurt in two other games. And, it was, and we weren't very good. The next year, I was on pace for 1,600 yards, but I broke my ankle. Um, so... I, I didn't account for
0: getting hurt. Did you ever read this article on Five Thirty Eight? How they broke it down? Yeah, I right. mean the the level of detail that the, I, that they went into, like trying to compare, obviously having the contract, and then using you as as you know as as the example, and then putting in everybody else, whether it's you know every every great running back in the history of the game. Like the level of detail in that was
1: yeah, It was impressive.
0: Very impressive. Yeah. You must be watching that going, looking, at, reading that going. Oh my god. Yeah i thought it was interesting very interesting yeah i mean just to show you how hard it is to reach those things i mean even it's interesting for you because you lived it but for for most people they read that and you're like oh my god like yeah it's that hard to do that
1: i guess my orientation to life is like be great or like get off the pot you know so like i i'm i still i still say i'm comfortable with that
0: yeah i mean yeah. i mean other- i mean otherwise I mean if you at least Steinberg gets you a big signing bonus and probably some but your sister your sister was when i I read the quote she said she said this is the way Ricky would want it and like that to him is that's a fair deal it's like, yeah. like yeah like he's not he's not the guy that's like, hey, you know give me everything, and then I'll see how it works out yeah. like he says no, i'm let me go work for this let me be let me be hungry to try to achieve this
1: you know there's um there's something that I, I learned last year. Um, there's there's a book called Flow, um, written by a doctor, um, Sheik High. and um, he came up with this this theory that as and I think it applies to athletes, that as extrinsic rewards increase, the intrinsic rewards you get from doing something start to diminish. Mm-hmm. And so meaning the, for instance, if you play football in college and you're not getting paid. It's easier to play for the love of the game, but once you start getting paid for it, the the love starts to diminish. That, mm. That's that's what they found, and I think that was kind of my thinking that that I would do this for free, and I'm getting paid eight million dollars. So the rest is like,
0: I I I I, uh, I can see that, man. I mean, I, just in my own personal story, it to me, if I can just talk about that for a second, please, you know. Th- the the and we talk about it all the time just internally amongst my friends and people i work with but like the process of it all so the training i did all that for free like i love that like i still do that yeah the racing and putting on the sponsor's jersey and going to that that was that was an obligation that's what you got paid for yeah and yeah i was a competitor it was fun to win i would have hated to lose but i was in there like as soon as it was over they find me in the back of the bus be going. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like I'm I want to go back. Like back home, hang out with my friends or just go for a training ride. Right? and that, that like and all that was free. Yeah. Obviously, they were paying you they pay you to do that to prepare for Yeah. for the event, but I'd have done that. I still do it. Yeah. Like I was just like a craving. So I don't. I don't I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Man. I don't know that a lot of people think of it that way. Yeah. A lot of athletes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think they should though. I mean, cuz to me I think I I was able to play eleven years in the NFL and and I still enjoyed the game and I was able to walk away and I think a lot of players walk away or get pushed out of the game hating yeah. the game and they live the rest of their life with a lot of regret and pain.
0: The thing about you, man, is and I just we met for the first time today, but I mean your story. How old are you now? Thirty nine. So I mean, when you're forty and you're fifty, and your story is going to be, dude, when you're sixty. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm serious. I, yeah. I think that, and, and again, is it, it all evolves, right? Is is our attitude towards athletes, and we see mm. uh, athletes doing things that that some people think are rebellious or crazy, and then even even our attitudes towards marijuana. And I mean, I think I think in 20 years, man, I it. Uh, I think your I think your your long view is good. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Let's talk about the Longhorns for a second. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to. We have to talk about the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, and it's—I don't know.
1: Bright spot are the two running backs. I think I think they're both a little banged up right now. Yeah. But, uh, but Chris Warren and Deontay Foreman, um, back-to-back games, both of them running for over 100 yards. I think that's that's never happened before at Texas.
0: Yeah. Is in. Is Charlie Strong going to survive? I mean, the word—the word—the word is—is word, the word is that. And it's, I'm not, I'm not covering the. I don't, I'm not like yeah. the beat writer for the Statesman covering the Longhorns. I don't. Yeah. But, but I love the team. I love watching the team. I'd love to see that team great. And I, and I like. I don't know Charlie Strong, <laughs> but from what I see,
1: yeah. You know, I think it's one of those things or ESPN does now, where each week there's like they pick a percentage uh, chance that the team will win, and I think, and it changes every week, right? Yeah. And I think right now Charlie's percentage of staying on is probably pretty low, but they beat OU. And get into a bowl game, it goes back up, and so. But right now, it doesn't doesn't look good. But that's the thing about football; you can always turn it around. Yeah. Well, not always, but it's still early enough in the season where they can turn it around.
0: But you, you i mean, you know how it works. Those back channel or those back back rooms over there. Where I mean, I'm assuming how it works. Yeah. I mean, the, the, all these old boosters and alumni. You know.
1: I think you know. I think there's a. They're there's, looking at. I think there's a boiling point where it, like. The water rises. It gets and he's gotten close, but then he, you know, a couple big wins. But I think a couple more losses. It's gonna, it's gonna blow.
0: He's, yep. he's close. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom Herman's, yeah, loading up the car to come up two ninety and yeah. make it's it. It's amazing. Austin.
1: The University of Houston just keeps churning out coaches. You know? Sumlin was there. It's people go to University of Houston and they get big
0: jobs. Huh. Is is have you seen Last Chance You? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow yeah I know what it, blows me away is the the
1: quality of coaching, yeah the quality of those coaches that they really care and they really understand the game and they understand those kids ah oh, i love I love it.
0: Somebody tried to tell me the other day that Herman and major appwhis there at, at at University of Houston and that and that the university that this is like last chance use you know they've got these kids that have you know came out of high school, went to Alabama, got tapped. Some, and then, so they're sort of finding their way to Houston, and they're badass athletes, you know, hellacious yeah. football players.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to, to be competitive, is, it's strange to me that Houston isn't in the Big Twelve. Right. Well, you there's know, that's
0: all the. I mean, that's part of the discussion. They're
1: in Houston, one of the biggest cities in the, in the country. But anyways, you know, but at a school that has to compete with Texas, for instance, you got to be creative in the way you recruit, and mm-hmm. what they've been able to do it's it's impressive.
0: Hmm. is recruiting um and we you know we don't have to get into this but i can just imagine that that the the not the expectations but the standards at the university of texas they just have to be different than one of these big i won't even name the schools but you can imagine these sec schools that just i don't know incentivize these kids somehow yeah and, and, and by the way too i and malcolm gladwell and i talked about this last week It's like you're putting a hundred thousand people into the stands every weekend, right? The generating who knows how much money. Yeah, I mean, and 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 these kids are truly, like we just said, playing for the love of the game. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't. I don't think that's right. You think they should get paid? I. I don't. <laughs> I don't think you should generate. I don't think how many guys are. I mean, fifty or sixty kids.
1: Eighty-five kids on scholarship.
0: Eighty-five. I don't think eighty-five kids should account for that much revenue and just put their health on the line every weekend. Yeah, I. I don't think so. Yeah, I. Think, I, I, I think I, they should do
1: like um, a trust fund. If they graduate, they get like one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars just to get themselves off, like, hmm. to show gratitude for what they did and what they. The if universe. they graduate you have to if graduate, if graduate which is great yeah. so
0: you you, you came and you committed to this university and you're gonna play and you're gonna go to school and you're gonna you're you are a I love when coaches always say he's a fantastic student-athlete yeah like most people say oh he's a football player or he's a basketball player or he's a swimmer no they always say student-athlete right so yeah. you, you do your four, you actually graduate that's a great idea I just don't think you I don't think I don't think it's fair to to, to be responsible for that much you know GDP yeah and 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 leave with nothing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, where's the where's the Heisman Trophy? I almost I was I almost I had I was, I was getting a little frisky last night. I was like I'm gonna tell him to bring the Heisman Trophy <laughs> with him. Like put that in a picture.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's at the house.
0: It's sitting on the mantle.
1: It's uh it's on I have a huge desk. It's sitting on the, sitting on the desk. like
0: shit hanging off of it like beads and, and no I, I, I keep it. I keep I keep it pretty
1: clean. I'd have like
0: my kids would have crap hanging off it like they'd be like. You know. I don't Bees. know. Something. I can see beads hanging out. Yeah, there. some toys or yeah. dolls. You know, they'd just be
1: American girl doll dress draped over, yeah. Yeah. I can see it. So it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. That
0: is so awesome. Yeah. Man, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. This good great. good luck on the test. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like uh, like I said at the top of the show. If you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please, dude, God knows I need suggestions, um, or questions or concerns or criticisms or whatever, let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. Theforwardpodcast at we wedu.com sportsingular.com singular.com v forward podcast at we